Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 311 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to answer the age-old question, to serve or to receive? And this is a big one, and one that I think so many tennis players just completely overlook, but not the person who asked today's question. This question comes to us from Ola, who wrote and said, The pros choose to start their matches as receivers quite often. How do you choose between starting as a server or starting as a receiver? How do the pros think, and how much is tactical, and how much is today feel-based? Great question, and this is why I love the podcast, is because we're going to get really in-depth on what most players, I think, just assume that, well, when I win the spin, I'm supposed to pick serve. And so everybody just kind of has this default of picking the serve, but there's a tremendous amount of depth to it if you want to go into it. And today we're going to go tremendously deep onto this very simple question and give you all of the different variables, all the different things to keep in mind, and all the things you should be aware of so that you can really choose wisely and give yourself the best chance for success. So we've broken this up into three quick sections. The first one is the psychology of the choice and the math of the choice. This is something I spent quite a bit of time thinking about. I think you'll be surprised by some of the things I have to tell you. Number two, the different factors to weigh. So the different things to look at so that you can make an informed and intelligent decision about which choice is actually the best one tactically. I'm going to give you five different areas to look at and feel out during the warm-up so that you can make the best choice possible. And then the third one is kind of a bonus. And this is something that I think 97% of amateur tennis players are totally unaware of. You have more choices than you think on the spin. And I'm going to reveal what the four choices are. You actually have four choices anytime you win the spin before a match. And I'll reveal what those are at the end of today's episode. So first, let's talk about the psychology and the math. Number one, Forget about the whole macho thing. And I don't care if you're a man or a woman, but I think I think that in general, tennis players believe that they win that when they win the spin, they're supposed to choose serve because it projects a certain level of confidence and you're saying, Yeah, I I want to serve because I feel confident about this match and I know I'm gonna beat you. So I want to toss and I'm gonna serve because I, I wanna get off to, to a fast start and get off to a quick lead. But this is exactly why you should be rethinking this first choice in a match is because people expect you to pick serve when you win the toss, when you win the spin. So choosing something else makes them wonder what it is that you know that they don't know. And it immediately sends them down a rabbit hole of thinking, wait a minute, what, why, why is he asking me to serve? Does he think my serve is weak? Is he feeling really confident that, oh, he doesn't even think he has to serve first or she doesn't even need to serve first to feel like she's going to win the match? Like why, why, are, why is she choosing to receive instead? And this actually happened recently. I played a match in Indian Wells against another tennis YouTube channel. I played a singles match and I chose to receive. And I'll tell you more about why a little bit later in this episode, but there's a very conscious decision there to choose to receive. And he told me later that 
he immediately started thinking, oh, wow, why would, why would Ian receive on this? Like, this is a really important, like, we're recording this. People are going to be watching. What, what is he aware of that I'm not aware of? And so there's a psychology behind picking to receive where it's the reverse of what I think a lot of players assume it is. Most players assume that it's weak to pick to receive, but when it happens to you, when your opponent wins and actually chooses that they want you to serve, I think that's actually the kind of, ironically, the opposite response internally or mentally than what players think it is. And so forget about the whole macho, like, oh, I need to pick serve first because I'm supposed to be confident in my serve. That needs to totally go out the window along with some other assumptions. And now we're going to talk about the mat. This is a big one. And I, I swear to you, this is like the simplest thing ever, but I think we've been so conditioned as tennis players, at least I have. I shouldn't group everybody into this, but I've very much been conditioned to believe that hold that serving and holding first and having the first serve in the set is somehow a scoreboard advantage but it's just plain not a break of serve is a break of serve regardless of who served first there's no tactical advantage there's no scoreboard advantage to being the first person to hold serve whether you hold serve first or your opponent holds serves first either way it's still the first person in the six games to win the set, win by two games, no matter what, no matter who serves first. And you can't win by two games unless you get a break of serve, right? I, I'm, I'm stating very, very obvious things here, but no matter who starts first, whether your opponent serves or you serve first, you still need to break them at least once to be able to win by two games. And so there is no tactical advantage to serving first. It's not like you get some magical bonus game and because you served first, now you have the lead in some way. You don't have the lead. Maybe you get to one game first before your opponent gets to one game, but either way, you still have to break them in order to win by two. And if nobody gets broken at all, then of course you just go to the tiebreaker and there again, it's irrelevant who served first in terms of actual tactical advantage or scoreboard advantage. So why is there such a big psychological difference? Like for me internally, I've always just felt like, oh, there's such a big, there's such a big benefit to to having the lead in the set. Like it feels like I have a lead because I serve first, and if I if I hold, then I'm on the scoreboard first. And I think there's just this psychological internal thought process or unconscious subconscious thought kind of pattern that I've had for years now that it's just a benefit to have that first number on the scoreboard. And I think the other part of it is when you serve first and you hold and then you break and then you hold again, 3-0 feels like a really big lead. And it is. You've already won half the games you need to win to win the set. Assuming you know it only goes up to six games, you, you've already you're already halfway there just with one break of serve, and so it just kind of feels really big. Assuming you consolidate the break, meaning you break and then you hold and you consolidate it and you don't get broken back right away, I think that's kind of the for me the subconscious dialogue that's happening in my happening in my head, not not consciously at all. Because I feel like if I can get out to a quick start, hold serve, and then break them, then I it feels like a bigger lead for some reason than my opponent starting, breaking them right away, and then holding. Okay, so it's one break. I'm up by two games instead of 
the other way, one break, and I'm up by three games, assuming I hold again. But both ways, you still have to hold five times. If you don't break their serve again, you just get that one break and then you serve it out. Either way, you've got to hold five times and break them once. It doesn't matter if they start first or you start first. It's one break of serve and it's five holds, unless you break them multiple times, obviously. So there's no there's no real advantage. There is no real scoreboard advantage or real tactical advantage. It's purely psychological, purely psychological. And it would be really kind of fascinating, I think, to see the statistical breakdown of, let's say, an entire year of professional tennis and see the percentage of sets won when the uh, when one person serves first versus the other person, what percentage of the time does the first server win the set? And what percentage of the time does the second server win the set? I would, I'm would, i totally just thinking of this off the top of my head here as I'm talking. I'm going to have to talk to Craig O'Shaughnessy and see if he can come up with that number. It would actually be fascinating to see if there's any direct correlation. But in terms of actual real advantage, there isn't one. It's all in my head is what I'm, ta- I'm having to tell myself from here on out. Either way, you need a break of serve if you're going to win by two. So now that the psychology and kind of the math side of it is out of the way, and I know the math part of it was really obvious statements, but the, I, there were statements that I found I had to be making to myself. Otherwise, I, I'm just really entrenched and feeling like there's an advantage to serving first. Now, factors the way. This is really the meat of the episode here. We're going to talk about five different elements or factors that you should be looking for in order to judge intelligently if it's the better tactical decision to serve first or serve second. The first one is your serve strength. You personally, how strong is your serve? Uh, is it really, really big weapon and a big asset and a big strength of yours that you're able to really lean on match after match to, to give you an upper hand and an advantage? Or is it the opposite? And it tends to be a liability and it's constantly setting you up, setting your opponent up for success instead of setting you up for success. So you need to, you need to know this heading into the match, obviously. And so you need to know the historical trend, the, the, what, what is the trend historically? throughout your tennis career is important information to have in the back of your head. And then also important to have in the back of your head is how am I feeling today, right now? If you just finished a 10-minute warm-up, then you hit maybe a minute or two minutes of serves. That's enough to get a, a quick, you know, eye blink feel for how things are going today, right now. Is rhythm feeling good? Is your toss feeling good? Are you generally kind of hitting your locations and hitting the type of serve you want to hit? Or are the elements really messing with you and you just kind of feel off today? There's a general sense that you need to have coming into the match and also a general sense you need to be able to judge very quickly just during the warm-up. So that's number one, your serve strength. Number two, your opponent's serve strength. How do you judge that? Well, I've got five different things to look at under your opponent's serve strength that can give you a big clue or indicator about whether or not this is a big weapon or asset of theirs or it's a liability of theirs, which is really important to be able to judge very, very quickly. So five elements here that I'll move through relatively fast for time's sake. Number one, how many types of serve did they hit in the warm-up? In that minute or two that they were hitting serves, did they just hit one flavor of serve and they just hit that same serve over and over and over again? 
Well, if so, there's probably an opportunity there. If it was just the exact same delivery again and again, by delivery, I mean the speed, the spin or lack of spin, how, how much variation is there in the different types of deliveries they're able to give you? Did they hit a flat serve, a kick serve, and a slice serve all during the warm-up? Well, then there's probably not much opportunity there as far as that one specific element is concerned. So that's number one. How many different types of serve did they hit during the warm-up? Number two, do they have a big spin serve? Second serve is unbelievably crucial to success as a server and as a tennis player in general. Did they have a big, confident kick serve? If so, then there's probably not much obvious opportunity there, at least not to start off the match. It's not something where there's alarm bells going off saying, oh man, there's a huge opportunity here for me to take advantage of. How about, is there any spin on their second serve or uh, when they did hit uh, a more consistent serve? Not everybody hits second serves, and I'm putting that in air quotes, second serves during the warm-up. But if you get the sense that they're like booming like one serve and then changing it up and going to what looks to be a second serve, are they just tapping it over? I mean, if they practice their second serve and there's no spin on it and they're going from a, a big bomb where they're trying to just crush it and then tapping it over with no spin, you've got a huge opportunity. And it's that should be a massive indicator to you that you've got the chance to really get off to a very big start by breaking their serve right away. If they're going with the big bomb and then the Dairy Queen, the soft serve, immediately after that huge, just kind of crushing ace attempt on the the swing before. So that's number two, their second serve or spin serve. How big and confident is that? Number three, their toss consistency. Are they catching their toss a lot during the serve warmup and they're only hitting like half of the tosses that they put up into the air? If so, there's a huge opportunity there. There's a lot of volatility in this serve, probably not very much confidence. At the very least, their rhythm is probably not very good because they're just not even sure which tosses they're going to be hitting and which they're going to be catching. Are there no catches at all and their balance looks pretty spot on every single repetition and it just seems like they're they're in balance, they're not leaning or falling or stretching for the ball and they're just kind of hitting right in a comfortable athletic position every time over and over again? then not so much. There's probably this individual element is not really, should not really be indicating anything is there for the taking. So toss consistency is really big. Number four, locations. Some tennis players will just hit the middle of the box during the warm-up, and that's it. And if that's the case, if they just hit the ball in the same location over and over again, or they just targeted the middle of the box and that was it, they didn't purposefully move the serve around the box at all, successfully, then there's a possible opportunity there. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, frankly. I mean, it could be, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Like I've slow played my serve and warm up pretty frequently uh, back in college because I have a left-handed serve. So I would purposefully hit flat serves just right in the middle of the box <laughs> in warm up sometimes. If I got the sense that that my opponents weren't seeing any lefty serves, and I would check the lineup and see, is, are there any lefties on the team? No? Okay. Then I've, I feel pretty strongly about my serve 
really throwing people off. And so I purposely just hit medium speed, flat serves in the middle of the box over and over again. You're not going to have many people slow play you like that. Usually when people just aim and hit the middle of the box again and again, it shows they don't have a lot of confidence in placing their serve. On the other hand, if you can, t- if you can just feel the intention and the purpose behind every serve and they're hitting out wide two or three in a row and then they're hitting down the tee two or three in a row and then they're hitting towards their body two or three in a row, not any opportunity there. Rather, there's no obvious glaring chance that they're, they're showing you, hey, I've got a big weakness here. If they hit the exact same serve in the exact same location again and again and again during the warm-up and they don't show you any variation, then there's a very possi- there's a very likely possibility that you have an opportunity to break them early. It's very possible that you have the upper hand in this category based on how they're targeting their warm-up serves. So that's locations. And finally, the fifth element here is swing speed. Are they always swinging at a nice, aggressive, confident swing speed? If so, there's probably not as much opportunity there to break them right out of the gates. On the other hand, if everything is kind of tentative and careful and they're just kind of dinking the the serve over, big opportunity there. Or if they're going from a huge, like aggressive bomb and then cutting the racket speed in half and just really tentatively tapping the ball over, great. There's a big opportunity very likely in store for you because they're just demonstrating right off the bat that when they absolutely have to hit the ball in the box, they don't have the confidence to maintain their swing speed. And so that demonstrates that there's a big chance for you to be able to get out uh, into an early lead by deciding to receive first. So again, here's the the five different areas that you should be using to uh, analyze your opponent to determine whether or not there's a big opportunity. How many different types of serve did they hit in the warm-up? Number one. Number two, was there some kind of big spin serve that they used for a second serve? A big confident spinning serve. Could be slice, could be kick. Number two. Number three, toss consistency. Number four, locations. Did they hit different locations? Number five, swing speed. These are the things that I am totally beneath the surface. If But if you have not been analyzing your opponent's serve to make a an informed, intelligent decision about what's going to happen when the racket gets spun and you decide what to do. If you're not looking for all five of these things, then you're leaving information out there on the court that could be used to give you a tactical advantage. So all four of those are are critical, and those are the different factors that you should be weighing when deciding whether or not you have an opportunity as a receiver versus the server. So we talked about your serve strength. We talked about your opponent's serve strength and how to determine whether or not it's likely a strong serve or not. Next up here, we're going to talk about a general feel for level difference. So three different possible scenarios. Number one, you sense that things are very even and you you and your opponent, you're having great rallies back and forth and you don't get the sense that they're technically way stronger than you. They're not hitting the ball way harder than you or with way more spin. In fact, the two of you just seem to be really, really level in terms of your 
ability to hit a tennis ball. Your level of play seems very, very even. If that's the case, then I would totally just default to the other factors. I wouldn't necessarily say that means you should lean heavily one way or the other. On the other hand, if you sense things are really strongly in your favor and their technique is not as smooth or fluid as yours, you hit the ball stronger with better depth, your accuracy and consistency is better, you hit with a little bit more spin, maybe a combination of all of those, Honestly, I would lean towards receiving first. I would lean towards forgoing the serve, making the statement that I'm going to go ahead and just put the pressure on you right away and give yourself an opportunity to get out to a really early break and just pile on pressure immediately in, in the set. If you sense that you have the chance to really grab the momentum and run with it and just totally take control of the first set, then I, I would honestly lean towards receiving. On the other hand... If you sense things are heavily in their favor and they're, they're definitely the stronger player and you feel like this is going to be a big uphill battle, then I would default to what feels confident to you that day as far as your own serve is concerned. The, the last thing you want to do is to get broken immediately and say, oh, I'll serve and then get broken. <laughs> so it puts you right behind the eight ball. It really tends to kind of shake and shatter your confidence when you come out of the gates and you immediately get broken and you give your opponent the satisfaction and confidence boost of knowing that they've got the lead on you right away. They already have the break of serve. Now they can just kind of relax and focus on holding. And if they were the stronger player to begin with, then it's it really gets the snowball rolling against you and in favor of the momentum for your opponent, which is not a good thing. So if you're not feeling very confident in your serve, then I would I would heavily lean towards receiving and say, go ahead, go ahead and serve. Like I, I don't want to. I'm maybe feeling kind of shaky. My toss is n- not smooth yet. Like I, everything, my rhythm's a little bit off. I, I don't want to put that pressure on myself to want to go out and figure it out right now. I want to get give myself at least a couple minutes here, return some serves, get loosened up a little bit, hopefully shake the cobwebs out just a little bit, get a little bit of rhythm and timing before I have to worry about holding my serve. So your opponent is expected, you know, they're supposed to hold serve. So by choosing to receive, you're putting the pressure on them to have to fulfill that expectation. And so you can, you know, no big deal. Like if they hold serve, not a big deal. Like they were supposed to anyway. But if you choose to, re- if you choose to serve when your serve feels shaky and they're stronger, they appear to be a stronger player than you, then you're really kind of stacking the, the pressure against you. And it could be, could be a, a difficult start to the set. Uh, On the other hand, if you're feeling great, if your serve is really on point and it's like, all right, firing on all cylinders with the serve, then I I would lean towards serving and say, all right, like if I'm going to have a chance of beating this player, they really feel like they're clearly better than me and my serve is a weapon and it's historically a strength and it, it feels good right now. And I, I would lean towards serving personally and say, all right, let's 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 show them what we got and try to go toe-to-toe and, and really kind of take it to them right out of the gate, see if maybe we can get some momentum rolling in my favor and, and hopefully get out to a nice, confident, strong start on your serve. So that's gauging the feel for difference in level. 
And again, if you feel things are very even, then I would default to the other factors we're talking about. If you sense, sense things are leaning in your favor and you feel stronger, then I would, lean, I would lean towards receiving. If you sense things are leaning heavily in their favor, then go with your serve confidence. If you feel really solid and confident with the serve, lean towards serving. If that's the opposite, then I, I would lean, heavily lean towards receiving. Okay. Last element here to, to really get a sense for it before I, I reveal the four different choices you have when you win the, the toss. Finally, you want to get a feel for the impact of pressure on this match. And this is why I chose to receive. If you, you should, well, you should. You should subscribe to us on YouTube, period. That's where all of our best content goes out. All of our best free instructional videos go out on YouTube. And so we're about to release a, a brand new set play series next week, uh, this coming Monday. I don't remember the day off the top of my head. April, is it 24th or 25th or something like that? This coming Monday. We're going to be releasing a brand new competitive series, me against another YouTuber uh, coach. And I got the sense during our warm-up that he was really nervous, that he was really tight. We've got cameras all over the court. This was his first time really kind of exposing himself in the sense that this is going to be his first time publishing content of him playing a match. And so... I knew based on his comments and based on how he looked that he was really feeling the gravity of that situation. And so because I had that sense that it was really affecting him big time, I decided to receive serve first. And he told me later that it really kind of made him think, oh, wow, what, why is he deciding to receive? Like, what, Is he not confident in his serve? Does he know something that I don't know? And I ended, he's, his serve is one of his biggest weapons, and I ended up breaking him right away in that first service game, which really doubled down the pressure that he was already feeling. It's like, oh, crap. Like I was nervous anyway. Ian threw me this curveball. I, I won the spin, and I told him I wanted to receive, and then I broke his serve. It's like a, it was a triple whammy, and now he was just really feeling the, the weight and the gravity of the situation. I held the next game, and then it's like, well, crap. Like He's just immediately behind the eight ball. And so when you have that sense that the pressure of whatever the situation you're in is really affecting them, just the competitive environment is really affecting them in a negative way, I would strongly lean, lean towards receiving serve. Put the pressure on them. Throw them that psychological curveball and put the pressure right on them and especially if there's some other factors that are layering on top of that uh, the, the serve just doesn't look very strong and maybe you also have the level benefit and you're, you're the stronger player you start adding those things up and I would heavily lean towards receiving first on the other hand if it's affecting you big time well I would also suggest that you should lean towards receiving. Why add, why stack pressure on top of yourself? If you're already feeling tight, if you're already feeling nervous and anxious, this is a really big match. And especially if we layer any of the other elements on top of that, your serve is just historically not super strong. And, and or maybe you're feeling like they're really a, uh, 
stronger player than you, why put all that pressure on yourself to have to hold serve immediately? Go ahead and choose to receive. I, I would lean towards choosing to receive if you're really feeling tight and you're not feeling very loose or very confident. If the pressure you sense is just affecting both of you and it's just a really big match, tons of people are watching, then I would just default to the other elements. And I wouldn't go one way or the other just purely based on the fact that it's a a big pressure environment. I I would default to the other elements that we've talked about and just kind of get a cumulative feel for what the situation is like. So all the different elements here that we talked about, your serve strength, your opponent's serve strength, a general feel for a level difference, and the feel for the impact of pressure in this moment, in this situation. All four of those things, it takes time to develop a spidey sense for what you should do. But one thing is certain in my mind. You should absolutely not just default to serving. That, to me, is just... Um, just unbelievably one-dimensional. It's It doesn't take into account so many different, fa- I don't know how many individual different factors we just talked about, at least 15 or 20. You're ignoring so many different data points that could potentially give you the upper hand immediately in the set, which could give you the upper hand in the match. It's little things like this that make a huge difference in, a, in an important match, in a competitive environment. And so the key is awareness and repetition. Awareness of what these elements are. You could just make a bullet list of all the different elements we just talked about. Keep that in your racket bag just to remind you. And then through repetition... I mean, I'll be honest, I've never sat down and written all this stuff out before. I've never consciously tried to pull out, okay, what am I looking for exactly? And it was a big surprise to me to come away with a two-page outline of of bullet points that I'm, I'm speaking from. Because all of those things, I've just been operating beneath the surface and I'm paying attention to all these different things, but I don't think most tennis players do. And so if you can be the player on your court that is actually aware of these things and taking inventory of them and making your decisions based on these different factors, that gives you a really big advantage just within this little decision, which is not such a little decision, of deciding what to do first. And so now to wrap things up, I want to let you know what the four choices are. When you, everybody just thinks they've got one choice. Oh, am I going to, or two choices rather. I can serve or I can receive. You've actually got four choices. When the racket falls and you've won the spin, you can choose to serve. You can choose to receive. You can, instead of choosing to serve or receive, you can choose which side you want instead. You don't have to choose serve or receive. You can say, I want that side. And make your opponent go to the other side of the court to, to assumedly serve their first game. Now, they get to choose afterwards if they want to serve or receive, FYI. Uh, you can choose either the serve or return, or you can choose which side you want. And a lot of players aren't aware of that. But a fourth choice that you have is you can also choose to defer. And this is, you know, not, I'm not definitely, I'm not officially recommending that you defer a lot, but if you really want to play mind games with somebody, you can win the top, you can win the spin and say, I defer, you can choose. 
and just totally put the whole decision on, on them to choose either to serve or receive or choose the side, which most players aren't even aware that they can choose which side they want. But you've got so many different choices and there's so much information that if you're looking for it, you can help you to make the best decision possible. So hopefully this has given you a huge amount of different tools, a huge amount of perspective of what to look for and why and when. The serve and return warm-up part of a 10-minute warm-up is usually only a minute or two or maybe three minutes at the most. And so this is something that's a skill. You'll have to develop this over time if it's not already happening subconsciously. And that's that's great. Like th- that means this is a, another tool you can add to your toolbox. And the, the more full of a picture you can paint in your mind of what is the scenario here? What are the strengths and weaknesses? What is the situation? And what choice should I make? The, the more informed you can go into that decision, the better choice you're going to make. And the more likely it's going to be that you give yourself the upper hand and come away with the win. For more free game improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.